The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Where do you turn when you need help? I mean, like, who's the first person you text when you're like, hey, I'm broken down on the side of the road, help, right? Like, most of us have, like, a go-to person. We have somebody we know we can reach out to, or maybe you have a few different people, depending on what the situation is. I know in my house, uh, we're in the middle of potty training our youngest, and so I seem to be the go-to person when uh, there's a poopy diaper that needs to be changed. And, or uh, he didn't make it. Now, I know my family's here and they're like, no, I do my fair share, I have to clean up too. I know, there's a lot of mess to clean up. But the point is, uh, you have somebody that you call on, that you text when you need a little help. Uh, and then, where do you turn when you feel isolated? When you don't have anyone that you can just text or maybe you just feel stuck, you're like, man, I don't really want to reach out to someone, then where do you turn? What do you do? Here's what I know. Like, we may not necessarily feel like we're at our best when we're all together or when you're together with, you know, people that you love or people that you care about, but I know that you're not at your best when you're isolated and alone. I mean, when you're lonely, when you're isolated, you're cut off, you are most definitely not the best version of yourself. And, you know, this isn't me preaching at you. This is me going, yeah, me too. Because, you know, the reality is, even as the pastor, as, you know, kind of leading Lifehouse, I have a lot of situations where, and I, and I thought I would say this in the past tense, like, man, in the past, I have felt lonely. But the reality is, I think, like you, we go through seasons when we feel very alone, when we feel lonely, and there's this little saying that says, like, uh, it's lonely at the top. And so if you're leading an organization or, you know, you're kind of maybe like in a spot like mine where you have a lot of responsibility, you can feel very alone. And so here's what I struggle with. Like, I feel the pressure of, like, living up to everyone's expectations and everyone expects, you know, pastor to be like the nice guy and, you know, be super, you know, have like it all put together. And so then where do I go when I could just be vulnerable and honest and just kind of let my hair down, not that I have very much of it, but uh, you know, like just where can I go and just be real? And, and so that's, I'm saying that's a struggle for me, then that obviously, I know that's a struggle for you too. Where can you just be authentic? And, and to be honest, I think that this is harder for guys than it is for the ladies. Um, and I think that's because we have a harder time just being vulnerable and showing any sense of like weakness and so, you know, where do you go? Who are you around that you can just be authentic with, you can be sincere with? And then we have this whole crisis, this whole catastrophe of the pandemic, right? Where we were uh, locked down, cut off. We were masked from each other. And, and then as a result, you know, like you changed how you do life. Now, I know that, that now like, we're looking back, that was like, it almost feels like that was years ago, but then in some ways it feels like it was just yesterday, right? Because you were forced to change how you did life. And even if you were one of those that just was like, oh, I'm not changing anything, I'm not giving in to all the pressure. And the challenge of that was everyone else around you changed, didn't they? So even if you weren't changing, the world around you was changing. And so your life changed. In fact, if, if you pause and you think about what life was like before, 
uh, as painful as it is, um, there are relationships that you no longer have. Or there are ways that you used to connect with people that you no longer connect that way. There are things you were doing before that you're now not doing. And, and so we look back, we're like, man, like our whole world got changed, particularly in how we do relationships, how we connect with people, how we relate to people. And, and so what happens is I think, you know, when, when we're forced to withdraw or we're forced to isolate, then, then it's a bigger challenge to step back into connecting with people and, and building relationship. And, and so now here, here's what I fear. Part of even what's motivating me is I'm, I'm reading through the book of Acts and I'm wanting to speak this message is, um, we, it's almost like we have people gathering together. I, I don't just mean as a church, I mean in our everyday lives where we gather as individuals near each other but not really connected with or relating with each other. It's like we're all in the same room, but are we really building relationship? And so let's talk about that. Because when we, when we open up the story of God, the way the early church related, it's different than how in many ways we relate, especially in early 2023. And so, you know, the story of the early church is written by a guy named Luke, who, uh, as many of you would be aware, if you've heard me speak before, Luke was a physician who was an outsider to Judaism and Christianity, but he met a group of Christians and he was attracted to what he saw. Now, right off the bat, that's gotta put some thoughts in your mind. If he was attracted to what he saw, what was it that he was attracted to? And so Luke meets these Christians and he becomes curious about the person of Jesus. So he begins to investigate and explore the life and teachings of Jesus and becomes persuaded that Jesus is who he said he was and he becomes a follower of Jesus. And then he joins the church and he writes a two volume set. Uh, the first part of it is the gospel according to Luke, the story of the life and teachings of Jesus. And the second part is the historical account of the early church, where in it, Luke gives a, a kind of a, an introduction to the church and kind of the history of the church. But before I get there, let me quickly talk about Jesus. Jesus, um, when he gathers his, the people who are gonna take over the, his mission, he doesn't choose the elite. He doesn't choose the kind of people that most rabbis and leaders would have chosen. No, Jesus chooses 12 guys that he just does life with. In fact, he spends three years just sharing life together. He does life with them. He performs miracles in front of them. When he feeds the 5,000, they're the ones breaking, distributing the bread. When the, when the meal is done, they're the ones collecting the scraps. He does life with these 12 guys. And then later in his ministry, he's gonna send them out to, um, to spread his message. And by that point, now there's about 70 that are gathered together and he sends them out two by two. So it's 35 different groups of twos that he sends out and they go out and they just tell the good news of Jesus Christ proclaiming that God's kingdom is nearby. If you fast forward, to Jesus' death and then his resurrection. After Jesus ascends into heaven, he t I, mean, I mean, I'm sorry, after Jesus rises from the dead, before he ascends to heaven, he challenges them to gather together and pray and wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And at that point, scripture says that there's about 120 of them. 
Okay, so now that's where we're at. There's a group of about 120. You know, it's kind of a smaller church. And then if you jump to Acts chapter two, verse 42, you get this description of what happens. In Acts chapter two, God's spirit is poured out on them powerfully and miraculously. And Peter begins to preach and 3,000 people come to immediately believe in Jesus by faith and are baptized. And the church that day grows from a church of about 120 to a church of about 3,200 people. Like, wow, how did they deal with this like sudden growth? Well, here's what they did. Thought you would never ask. Um, Here's what it says they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I hope that as I read that, you were like, man, what a glimpse into the early church, and what a picture of what we're called to be. That, that description right there is really the, uh, the job description of the, early, of the church. That's who we are. That's what we're supposed to be about. That's what we're, we should resemble. And so, you know, right off the bat, the, the challenge I feel when I read that, and I feel as I, I think about where we're at in 2023 is like, have we lost something? Has something slipped off the pages of the book of Acts and been lost in history? Or is it possible that we can regain that? Because I I fear that what we've done is we've traded um, community for criticism. We've traded loving for labeling. And we've traded meaningful relationship for empty rituals. And what we need to get back to is simply this, just to go all in together in community. That, that's the challenge. That's the takeaway. Now, some of you, if you've been part of LifeHouse before, you're like, I, I feel like I've heard this. this. This is not one of those messages of whether or not you've heard it before, but are you living it? That's what it means to go all in. It's not a head knowledge. It's not something that you believe in. It's something that you and I live. And so my, my challenge to you today is not do you know this, or do you believe this? But are you living this? Have you, are you willing to go all in together in community, right? And, and this is something you've heard me say before if you've been part of LifeHouse is that we don't go to church, we are the church. We don't do church, we're called to be the church, right? And so you didn't like come to church today. I know you came to a church building, but like, you, if, again, if you've heard me talk about any of this before, you've heard me say like, this is like family. You don't go to family. You get together with family, but you don't go to family, right? You don't do family. You are a family. And so yes, we gather in a church building, but we also gather in a theater. We gather online. We gather in a rented space, right? Like, it doesn't matter where the church gathers. The point is that we are a gathering of people in community. And in order for that to happen, you gotta be willing to go all in together. And so what keeps us from going all in together? Well, you know. Yes, we're busy. But we're, many times we're busy and we don't have meaningful together 
Because we'd rather be busy than intimate. Because intimate is risky. Authentic is painful. Because then you gotta be vulnerable. And people can see your messiness. They can see your flaws and, and not just your scars, but your open wounds. And that's hard to be that vulnerable and authentic. And, it, and so, yeah, we're busy, but we're not just busy. We've been betrayed and we've betrayed. We've been hurt and we've hurt others. And those issues create separation in relationship. And as a result, it's difficult for us to be willing to take a step into meaningful relationship. And so it's easier just to gather as a, as a group of individuals, not fully authentic with each other, and then just go our separate ways. By the way, please hear me. That's why I started out. Like, I'm not preaching at you. Me too. Okay, so I'm saying like this is our struggle. But the challenge we can't escape is that when we read the account of the early church is our mandate is that we're challenged to go all in together in meaningful community. And so what causes this separation? Well, thought you would never ask. Um, it's a spiritual crisis, isn't it? Meaning it's not just that we've been relationally hurt. It's not just that we've been betrayed. It's not just that we're busy. It's that there's something deep inside of us that's broken, separated from relationship with God called sin. It's a spiritual break in relationship. And when we are spiritually broken from relationship with God, we become spiritually broken in relationship with each other. Meaning what's happening vertically affects what's happening horizontally. And so because we're cut off from relationship with God, which is our source of love and life and forgiveness, then things don't work well interpersonally. And so we go through life corrupted by sin and sin affecting the way we relate to each other. I'm not saying every relationship issue you have is your sin, but it is caused by sin. Meaning sin just makes things not the way they're supposed to be, including in your own heart. And so we go through life toward a forever judgment far from God, a forever without relationship with God. And I know some people think that when they get to, when they, when they go into eternity, God forbid you end up in hell, it's just, gonna be a it's just gonna be a big party of people who frankly didn't make it to heaven. And it's just gonna be a, a big crazy party, kind of the worst kind of party. No, 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 no. In case you have that bad theology, hell will be the worst of everything on earth, exact, exaggerated forever, right? So like if we're cut off from God on earth because of sin, it's a forever without God and all that is good. If sin breaks relationship with each other, it is a forever in regret, in betrayal, in relational hurt, a forever isolated but God, right? God unwilling to leave you and I headed toward a forever in judgment far away from him and in isolation. So God came to us. In fact, that was the message. If you jump back into Acts chapter two, before that description of the early church, the, the apostle Peter is preaching. And he says this in, in verse 36, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And, then he, and so he's telling them, look, the only way this works is when you believe in Jesus by faith. He, in fact, he's giving them this message that you and I were separated from relationship with God, headed toward a forever without God. 
But Jesus came from heaven to earth, died on a cross. He became our Lord and our Messiah. He gave his life to give us life, and then he rose from the dead so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith could be forgiven and given of sins. And it says, as you continue to read, when you get to verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their, their number that day. And that's what I'm gonna invite you to do right now. Before I talk about how you can, you can begin to live out this all-in community, maybe the first step is for you to put your faith in Jesus Christ, to, to be invited into the family of God where we throw our arms open wide and say, welcome home, all right? And so if where you're at is you need to put your faith in Jesus, can I encourage you to take a moment and just say yes to Jesus? It's the, it's the invitation of the apostle Peter where he's saying, hey, look, I'm gonna invite you to accept this message. And if that's where you're at, would you make a decision to say yes to Jesus Accept him as your Lord and Savior, and then let us know, right? Obviously, these people let the church know that's how they got baptized. And so you can let us know. Um, Peter would have used a QR code if he had one, but he didn't. Um, and so they had to, you know, they just had to have people come forward and get dunked in the tank right then. We have a baptism coming up on February 5th. And so you can scan the QR code and then let us know you want to be baptized. When you scan the QR code, one of our pastors will follow up with you and encourage you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. And by the way, if you have not been baptized since you said yes to Jesus, you can see right here, this is where we get the idea from because they believed and then they got baptized. And so would you also sign up to get baptized? Cool? Awesome. All right, now, what does that look like when you believe in Jesus by faith and you're invited into the family of God? This is important. In fact, this is the part where I wanna slow down and I wanna make sure you don't miss it. What creates community within the church? And I don't just mean within like Lifehouse Church when we gather. I mean every time you get together with anyone who believes in Jesus by faith, you have, at least you should have, community. A, a powerful and unique community. Why? What brought them together was their faith in Jesus Christ. I can say it this way. The common unity of faith in Jesus creates community. Listen to me carefully. The community of God already exists in the spiritual realm. Meaning God models this because he is the Trinity. One God who exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They have relationship with each other as one and don't need anyone else in order to feel together, right? And like God doesn't feel lonely because he has himself as a triune being. But when Jesus died on the cross, he rose again. He gave us community. The community you're looking for already exists in the spiritual realm, meaning it's not something you're trying to like earn or live up to or create. It already exists. You and I just have to participate in it. The church is already in community. You have unique family community with everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. And if at any point you meet anyone who has faith in Jesus, you have an instant brother or sister in the family of God. And so now we have to just live it out. Does that make sense? So you're, what brings us together is the unity we share through faith in Jesus Christ, which means it doesn't matter what else divides us. 
You are unified through faith in Jesus. It doesn't matter what and what other ways we're different. Great. We celebrate the diversity of the church because what brings us together is the unity we have in the faith. We should look different. That's by design. We should have different thoughts. We should have different views. That's perfectly okay. But we're unified by faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what creates community. The world around us, they can only build community by shared, um, by, you know, by shared likes, by shared activities, or by blood, right, or family. But we share community because of our faith in Jesus Christ, which means you can pretty much get together with anyone who believes in Jesus and have an instant community, instant meaningful relationship because you have Jesus in common. Now let's jump back into this. I wanna give you some practical steps on how you can live this out. Acts chapter uh, two, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Did you catch it right off the bat? It says they devoted themselves, meaning this wasn't like a quick invitation to a block party in your neighborhood. You can come if you want. If you come, you know, bring, you know, bring a pizza for your family or bring something to share. Um, it, it, it was a deeply devoted community. This wasn't like a come and go as you please, show up if you want. If you can't make it, you know, we understand, don't worry about it. There was a deep commitment. And here's what I know. Community requires commitment. Ugh. Come on, you feel it too. In fact, I wrote that in my notes. I just wrote the word, oomph. I was like, Ugh. I don't know, because the moment you tell people like you have to make a commitment, like for me, that sounds like the mortgage or like signing a dotted line to make like a car payment. Like, ah, oh, you gotta be kidding me. I have to commit to one more thing and I've already got a list of all these things I gotta do. And so it feels like an obligation. But you know, there is a difference between obligation and commitment. I made a commitment to my wife on May 29th, 1999, when we exchanged rings and said, for rich or for poor, in sickness and health till death parts us, right? I do. That was a commitment, men, not an obligation, right? Like, it, it's a commitment. Some of you, you were afraid to laugh. Um, <laughs> it's a commitment. We're, community is a commitment. Relationship requires commitment, which means um, you don't get the benefits unless you belong, Catch that. Some people, they, they want the benefits without belonging, but you're welcomed into the community of God, but it does require commitment. And if you want the benefits of belonging, you gotta make the commitment to be part, which means when you become part, you have a part and you gotta do your part. And commitment costs, doesn't it? Which is why we kind of go, because I don't know if I wanna pay the price of commitment in order to get community. What's the cost? You gotta show up. You gotta be willing to invest time into each other. It's a, it's a cost of vulnerability. It's the cost of investing into each other's lives. It's the cost of being selfless rather than selfish. It's the cost of serving rather than always demanding to be served. There's a cost to commitment. Can I challenge you? Would you make a commitment to community? And not just some generic community. Make a commitment to each other. And not just in your own family. To the family of God. 
into groups. Today, we're celebrating group launch, and we want every one of you to get connected into a group, make a commitment to a group. Now, if you get into a group and it's not the right fit for you, that's okay. We create space for you to find the right fit. But when you find the fit, make a commitment. Let me read a little bit more. Verse 43. I'm sorry, verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They shared life together. They even shared their resources together. They sold properties and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Here's the deal. Community requires authenticity. They had to open up their lives to each other. They had to be authentic in life and with their livelihoods. And this is where it starts to feel uncomfortable because being authentic requires you to be willing to let people see your vulnerabilities and your weaknesses. But when you allow people to see your vulnerabilities, you, then you know that you can belong and be accepted based on who you truly are, not just the facade of what you want others to think you are. And boy, isn't it easier to be around people where you can just be yourself? Isn't it easier than having to try to keep up the facade? Here's the deal. You don't have to impress anyone. Why? Because we know that every single person who comes into the family of God came in because they needed forgiveness of their sins and new life through faith in Jesus Christ. So we are all, we all come in broken in need of forgiveness. And we know that on an ongoing basis, we need to be forgiven by God. We need new life through faith in Jesus Christ. And so the gospel of Jesus is our common denominator and it, it anchors all of us. And as a result, we can all be vulnerable. We can all be authentic. We can all be real. I don't mean the app be real. I just mean, you can, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, good. Um, but the point is you could just be fully yourself in Christian community. You can be totally vulnerable and knowing that in, in relationship, you accept others and you're gonna encourage others to grow while they accept you and encourage you to grow, right? Accountability means, that's part of being authentic, means I accept you as you are, but I also don't want to leave you where you are. So I'm going to help you grow and become the best version of yourself. And you're going to help me grow and become the best version of myself. I'm in, I'm in accountable relationships. I have, I have another pastor I meet with every single month. We sit down together. We open our lives up together. We challenge each other. I have a, a few other pastors and leaders that I call on on a regular basis. And we just open our lives and talk freely. Because you and I need that kind of authentic, vulnerable relationship. And what happens when we get into those kind of authentic relationships within the church? It says this, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. You know what happens when you go all in together in community? When you make the commitment to community and you become authentic in community? Well, community like this is contagious. Now, I was cautious about using that word because I thought, man, what we've been through for the last couple of years, the last thing I want is people to go, ah, you know, church is contagious. It should be in a positive way, right? So I, I was gonna say spread it and I thought, no, don't do that. Uh, community is contagious, so share it. Share it. What, what was attractive to a guy, a, a physician like Luke 
to these 3,000 people that heard Peter preaching. It was the good news of God's love and people living it out authentically, boldly, in selfless, radical love. And you and I are invited into this kind of community, but it is not meant to be hoarded or hidden. You've gotta be willing to share it, meaning you are an ambassador of the community of faith, and so you're inviting others in to your life, and you're inviting others into the family of God. You gotta be willing to share it. What you have, let me be clear. I know that you think your personal Christian faith is messy. I know. I talked to enough of you. I know my own journey. It's messy, right? It doesn't, it doesn't look perfect. It doesn't look clean. Do you know that what you have in faith, through faith in Jesus Christ is the most miraculous thing that exists on the planet? Because what you have is hope. What you have is God's love. What you have is the good news that God forgives sin and gives new life through faith in him. And that's what we share together. It's supposed to be messy. It's not supposed to be perfect. It's not supposed to be all clean. And I did a message about that a couple of weeks ago, right? Like it's not on display in a museum. It's lived out in real messy life. That's actually what makes what we have so amazing. That's what you're inviting people into. Not that we've got it all together. That's why I said, like, church has hypocrites in it. Good. Where else should they be? Church has addicts in it. Good. Where else should they be? The church has broken people in it, hurting people, scared people, angry people, depressed people. Good. Yes, that's right, because it has people like you and me where we can come together with all of our flaws and our brokenness and our fears and our doubts and be forgiven by God and loved by God and together grow into something more vibrant and healthy together than we could have ever been on our own. That's what you're part of and that's contagious. So what's holding you back from going all in? I know you've heard, many of you have heard something like this before. Not this message, but you've heard something like this. But have you acted on it fully? My challenge for you as we get into 2023, would you make a commitment that throughout this year, you will go all in together into community where you will, by the end of this year, you will look back and go, I, have, I am fully in Christian community. I have deep, meaningful relationships. I made a commitment to community, and that has changed my life. If you would take that step, that, that it's not a resolution, it is a change of life, it is a, it's a step of faith into authentic community. Now, I wanna invite you, would you take that step? We, today is group launch day where you can get connected to one of our groups, we call them life groups, and we'd love for every one of you to get connected to a group somehow, some way, where you can begin to build meaningful, really, I'm in a life group, I wanna encourage you to get in a life group. Let me take a moment and pray over you. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, where you were in perfect harmony and togetherness in heaven and throughout eternity. Jesus, you were willing to be forsaken so that we could be accepted. You were willing to take on our separation because of sin so that we could be welcomed in.
to the family of God. And so God, in this space, for those that said yes to Jesus Christ, those joining us online who said yes to Jesus, we're celebrating their new life in Jesus. And God, we're, we're, we're throwing our arms open saying welcome home, but God, what we want as a next step is that every one of us will begin to walk in and live in that kind of authentic, accountable community that is life-changing. So help us to overcome our fears, our trust issues, anything that gets in the way, help us to take that bold step of faith in you, into community, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, can I encourage you? Why don't you stand with me right now? Look, here's the deal. It's gonna take a step of faith. It's gonna take you overcoming your trust issues, but you're gonna boldly get connected in the community. And we're gonna, we're gonna get to like worship that statement. We're gonna just declare it today. We're gonna say, welcome home. Would you join us as we sing? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.